Welcome again to our podcast. Nej, men ta den på ny. <laughs> Let's go! Okay, guys, welcome back to the podcast called Remotivation. We are a podcast about remote working, and among various topics, we try to dissect this new emerging lifestyle, how you become a remote worker, what are some of the skills and tools you need to have, how do you manage people, etc. And today, I am very happy to be here with uh, Magnus Jepson. Woo! Woo! <laughs> <laughs> Magnus is the founder of WooCommerce, and he is currently an advisor in Automatic. And for those who don't know, uh, Automatic is the company that owns the CMS platform WordPress. I'm also here and happy to be joined by Susanne Todnam. Hello. Hello, hello. She's a former journalist who has now gone fully remote. Uh, she has her own social media startup. Uh, she works with clients all over, all over the world. And she's also some of a, uh, somewhat of a crypto queen. Um, she's worked exclusively remote, doing nothing but blog posting on a new crypto platform. We'll get back to that. That's yeah. super interesting. So welcome, guys. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, and it's really cool to be here in this uh, this cabin <laughs> of a meeting room. We're currently at a place called Innovation Dock, and uh, it's sort of a, a fitting place to be for a fireside chat. Definitely. So it's very good to have you here. So Magnus, uh, you're now an advisor. Uh, you, you don't really need to work anymore. <laughs> <laughs> no. <laughs> I'm an advisor at Automatic. So uh, you said Automatic owns WordPress. It, it runs WordPress.com. Sorry. Yeah. Uh, the CEO, Matt Mullenweg, he is the co-founder of WordPress, just to set the record straight. Okay, awesome. And, and that's a good way to start this podcast, is actually just diving into that journey, because it's, uh, it's an interesting story how you guys uh, first started working on something, became remote uh, just out of pure necessity and then was acquired by a remote company. This mm. whole story is fascinating. Tell, tell us more. Do you want the long version or the short version? Please, the, the uh, medium size. <laughs> the, the podcast version. <laughs> yeah. Well, it, it started out in 2007. I discovered WordPress around 2006. I used it to build websites for just as a hobby basis to build websites for uh, friends who needed a blog. Uh, I was interested in, in web design in general. Uh, so I, I started working with WordPress and dabbled into WordPress theming, uh, the actual engine for making the design around WordPress. And at this time, there wasn't many paid or premium products on WordPress. Everything was free. Mm -hmm. you, could, you could download it for free and, and, and spread it around for free because WordPress, as many know, is open source. Yeah. Uh, so all of the products that uh, are built on top of WordPress also need to be open source. So I started out uh, building some uh, free themes, put them on my website, got a few thousand downloads, which I thought was pretty awesome. Uh, and then kind of dabbled on the idea of adding a bit of a options panel to uh, my themes, uh, which would allow you to customize colors and change the logo, for example, of your website. And thought, why not charge a premium for that? So yeah. I, I charged uh, 49 bucks or something for the theme. Uh, so people actually started buying these themes and uh, it wasn't many, but it was maybe a few a week in the first couple of weeks. And then maybe once once a day, I got an email with a $49 uh, purchase, which nice. was pretty cool. Yeah. Um, and so I started looking around on the internet uh, on other blogs and, and people doing the same thing and yeah. discovered this guy in, in South Africa called AD PNR. He called himself AD Rockstar, which was pretty cool. <laughs> uh, and he, uh, he was doing the same thing. He had a theme, uh, a, a magazine theme, uh, which was called Premium News Theme. And he sold this for 70 bucks. Uh, so I just sent him, to me, sent him an email, uh, said, I'm doing the same thing. Should we try and work together? And mm -hmm. he said, sure, uh, you make a design, I'll code it. Uh, and so I did. It took about one day for me to design it. He coded it in two days and we started selling that. Uh, it didn't sell as well as his theme, but it still made a few thousand dollars the first month, which is pretty cool. Mm. Uh, so 
at that time it was just me and him and then we got in touch with another guy called Mark Forrester living in London uh, and he did the same he designed the theme uh, AD coded it and uh, we were off kind of that was the start of uh, what was then called Woo Themes uh, we branded it Woo Themes in 2008 uh, we kind of were just sitting in three different con- uh, countries and and, and suddenly you had a company together. Yeah, and we hadn't talked together on the phone or had a Skype conversation or anything until we met in 2009 in uh, <laughs> London outside the Apple store. Uh, we went to... Uh, wait, 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 so go back. So you, you actually started a company and ran a company for... Yeah, we, we were in business. Uh, we met uh, end of 2017. And then we're in business probably 16 months before we actually met in person. Physically met? What? Yes. <laughs> so uh, we were used to kind of chatting online every day. We used actually Skype uh, with the text chat feature mm. to talk. Uh, it was just convenient and easy. AD uh, and Mark had met up down in South Africa since Mark traveled back to Cape Town. He was also a Cape Townian. Um, but I hadn't met the two, so everybody's like, you're, you're crazy, you're in business with two guys from Africa. Africa's <laughs> like the scary country. No, 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 South Africa is different. <laughs> but uh, that's how we started out. And uh, by 2009, we actually had a few employees already that did like support for us. Yep. Uh, so we were kind of growing the remote team. Uh, we were probably five or six employees by the end of 2009. But did you do a Skype interview with the people you hired, or we the first people we hired? We actually were customers of us. Mm. On we just discovered them on our support forum. They were helping other customers, and we're like, okay, you're hired? doing a good do job. You want to come work for us? Do you do? You just want to come work for us? We'll pay you to to do this. And they said, yeah, sure. I have, I I've used your themes to to make websites for people, and I like your themes. I. I I understand them and I like helping people, so yeah, I want to work in support. Didn't did no guy work at the fire department? Yeah, the, one of our first hires. He's, he was a customer support guy. He, Mikey Kraft. He he uh, he was a fireman or is a fireman, yeah. and he uh, when he's a fireman he has downtime, so he sits there at the fire station and. What what can you do when you're sitting there and just waiting to rescue cats and put out fires? <laughs> you, you you build websites, so he was building websites and he. Uh, we just met him through our support forum. He was helping other customers uh, in our forum, and and uh, he said, "Do you want to work for us?" And he said, "Sure, yeah, I'll, I've got lots of free time, but I I I need to be a fireman as well." And we said, "Sure, that's fine. Uh, you can sit and work wherever you want. This is a remote company." And uh, that's amazing. So he actually uh, fast forward Mikey's story. He uh, he is still a fireman. He works for Automatic now, so he yeah. he he has two jobs. But it's uh, it's something that's doable with a remote position. And since there's uh, not that much active work as, as a fireman, it's, yeah. it's lots of waiting. So that's pretty cool. Wow. So where were we? So uh, I think we were. You're three three guys. Yeah. You hired some people. Yeah. And, and then what happened? So about. 2009, 2010, we were getting to a size of five to ten people and kind of exploring more stuff to do than just like premium blog themes. We were uh, dabbling in, dabbling into um, uh, portfolio themes, business themes, lots of different kind of uh, genres of, and, of websites. And what was the average download at at this stage, like 2010? How many how many downloads uh, yeah. per month or per Oof, year? I can't remember downloads, but if we talk about money, yeah. um, I think we were. That's a good question. <laughs> we're probably doing a hundred thousand dollars a month or something. I I can't remember. Uh, it's too okay. too specific. Wow. But okay, uh, we were doing enough money, uh, making enough money to to kind of pay everybody and have a lot of extra cash in in, in the bank yeah. for the business yeah. and. Um, so our customers started then saying, well, your themes are great, but we also want to sell stuff online. Mm-hmm. Uh, so WordPress didn't have too many kind of shopping carts uh, that were good yeah, at the I time. I actually remember this time. This was in what? 2010, 2010 I think. Yeah, yeah. So we set out to, to build one uh, and we struggled for quite a bit. We went through like, we, we tried to outsource it first, went through four developers, I think. And uh, each one kind of had their excuse and couldn't finish the project. Uh, and then we said, let's take it in-house. Let's get two people in to, to build it for us. So we yeah. we knew these two uh, developers from, from the UK who were actually working on some themes for us. We asked them to come on board because they actually started making an e-commerce 
plugin for WordPress. Yeah. So they said yes. Uh, we made a good deal with them, and uh, they started working for us. And we thought, okay, e-commerce is just going to help us sell more themes. Yeah. But the the truth of the matter was that uh, the the WooCommerce, that which we called it, was actually the the kind of main product. The, yeah, it, it pivoted the whole business to to something else. It wasn't themes anymore. It was e-commerce. So that turned our our company into an e-commerce. Uh, uh, business and and we launched it in september 2011 and it was free to to download just yeah. as wordpress was and, yeah. and we made money by selling add-ons to the e-commerce platforms like payment gateways and shipping and, gateways and, and stuff like and that and today this powers one fourth of the entire planet's so yeah e-commerce sites that's that's wordpress wordpress powers about 27 or 28 percent of all websites online and of and, all the e-commerce websites everybody who's selling something online yeah. uh, i think it's twenty percent. It's a it's a weak number because it's hard to find because we need to just scrape all the websites yeah, online. Sure. So so the 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 websites that do all of this scraping they estimate that WooCommerce is about forty percent of all uh, really e-commerce websites. Is it forty? Oh, wow. So that's that's one number. That, then you can look at other statistics and see maybe you get to uh, like twenty percent or thirty percent. So we uh, it's it's quite a lot anyway. But yeah. um, wow. We cool. we this is today in 2017, yeah. but uh, we we kind of in se- September 2011 we just saw kind of we saw the downloads trickling in and 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 discovered people were actually buying more and more extensions mm. for WooCommerce mm. and and that changed our the whole revenue to go from theme space to, to uh, selling extensions and selling stuff on top of uh, WooCommerce. Mm. So. We kind of doubled down on, on building more extensions for WooCommerce, getting more third-party developers to help us out, uh, uh, kind of build all the uh, kind of worldwide extensions, like, uh, say, a Polish payment gateway, for example. We didn't have the knowledge or we didn't know enough about Polish payment gateways to build those yeah. in-house, but yeah. we had developers working there using WooCommerce, and they built it, and they... And, we then sell it on our website or give it away for free on our website. So that's how we kind of extended the to become worldwide. Um, so that's kind of where we were at and growing the team. We were about 50 employees, 55 employees in 2015 when we got acquired by Automatic. And Automatic is, we're about 320 people. They all, most of them all work on WordPress.com mm. and uh they all work remotely, so for us it was a perfect fit. We that's one of the reasons why we kind chose of the company. chose mm. chose to be acquired in 2015 instead of taking uh, venture capital money. Yeah, uh, because we saw this as a perfect fit. We didn't want to be acquired by Google and having to move everybody to mm. to Silicon Valley. Yeah. So uh, we got acquired in 2015 and integrated the team and. Uh, in 2017, I became an advisor, went stepped out of my kind of uh, leadership role in, yeah. in Wu, yeah. uh, along with Mark Forrester, who was uh, a lead. And we're now just advisors, and, and now I'm kind of stepping back and trying to help local startups and doing a bit of angel invest- investment. So that's my kind of role today. That's amazing. <laughs> Very cool. <laughs> cool story. So, Thanks. Uh, so, um, and it's cool to see how how you you weren't really going into this with a with the intention of being a remote company. You just you just happen to be one, right? Yeah, um, I think most people when they think of remote work, they instantly think of people not going to the office that day maybe just i need to work from home today because i need to yeah. watch a sick kid or something but yeah i mean i i i quit my i had an old i worked seven years as a programmer and i quit that job in 2008 and then it's like where do i go do i go into an office do i rent an office and i'm like why do i need to do that i can just sit at home and work i just need my laptop and my screen and uh i had the kind of drive and the energy and the and the uh kind of motivation to to wake up at seven o'clock in the morning get a coffee and just sit there until four o'clock when my fiance came home from work and kind of say okay now we need to shut down and (laughs) and be like together Um, so uh, I I think uh, like going on to another topic remote work it kind of it you need to be that person who enjoys it it's not for everyone but 
uh, and it's not if you have something you need to do fiscally at your location yeah. then it's yeah. definitely not for you but if you have a if you have an online job uh, say you work on on something with the web or you just need your laptop to do, do your job why can't you do it ev- anywhere yeah. so yeah. obviously the first place you do it is at home and then you kind of explore other places maybe coffee shops maybe you find a co-working space or something like that just to get some different inspiration yeah. and obviously it allows you to travel very interesting it's, it's, it's cool to hear these stories mm. because it's, it's it's cool to sort of dissect and see what led up to the decisions you actually mm. uh, went forward with when when actually starting the company <laughs> Uh, so, you, so you've also had uh, quite a similar experience where you just happen to sort of uh, go into this lifestyle. Tell us shortly about sort yeah, of where, where, a, where it happened for you. Uh, I would say it's a very long story, but it's um, just the a lot podca- of like... Podcast version. Yeah, the the po- po- yeah, po- yeah. Podcast version. it is a long story, but I would say it's just a lot of uh, coincidence that will uh, that just led me to where I am now and yep. I'm not mad about it <laughs> the, fact, <laughs> the fact that I can work from anywhere is just yeah really really great and I I uh, started working from home yeah but then I realized uh, it, it got a bit lonely uh, so I uh, went to this co-working space and then I sat there yep. and then I realized I don't even have to be here I can travel so started doing that and yep. uh, um, never going back I think <laughs> I think <laughs> and yeah. and you work so you work part-time for iSettle mm-hmm. so 50% remote work or yeah. remote job mm-hmm. and then so you have there your I'm company. actually hired as a remote worker whatever yeah. um, they have uh, their office in Stockholm Sweden yeah. Yeah. Uh, but I work from mainly from Norway and I also work remote uh, from the company that I run yeah. Yeah. Um, which is a social media company, mm. so I can do that from anywhere. Yeah. Uh, and I also write uh, blogs for steemit.com, on steemit.com, which is a platform that will pay you in cryptocurrency if people are voting on your uh, blogs. And articles. you lived over that platform for uh, I did uh, four months most, or five months? Mostly Steemit for nine months, eight, nine months, yeah. It's so pretty interesting. Do you have a concept. lot of Bitcoin? Uh, I have a couple of Bitcoins. Oh, nice. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, it's, it's a good time to have Bitcoin yeah, right now. It's been actually. a great month for it. We could yeah. actually talk. I'm, I'm, I'm diving into this topic right uh, on my spare time trying to understand the whole world of crypto. We could step, spend hours on this, but we'll <laughs> say that. this podcast. Yeah, we'll we'll say that for later. But, but it's interesting um, to talk more about. So uh, I settled, right? They're mm. not a fully remote first company so maybe yeah. and we've talked about this before remote first um and and i would say that your company woo uh woo themes was a remote first company so it's it's the whole company uh the foundation of the company is that we are remote workers we yeah. we don't have an office no the uh, the founders were remote from the start so and the first hires we did were remotely, so they worked in Portugal, the US, UK. But uh, initially, we had two co-founders that Mark moved back to Cape Town, and and it felt natural for them to sit together. Yeah. So they found an office space together, and uh, then it felt natural to hire the first designer and the the first uh, developer in in Cape Town. So there was a little office of four or five people sitting there working in, in 2009, I think. Yeah. And uh, so we actually had this office space and people working in the office yeah. and also being a remote company. But we have, hadn't really kind of discovered what working remotely meant. What We didn't have any guide or any, we didn't have uh, any books on it back then. It was yeah. just like something we had to learn by doing. Yeah. So we had lots of, like the first, instinct is to like you you don't know what your workers are doing because yeah. you can't go in and check on them yeah so how do you monitor I, what your I workers do you're not the only one who <laughs> thinks that this is an and issue so everybody's I, scared of that notion yeah. and, and it's having worked remotely now for 10 years yeah. i i know that you just have to trust people and then measure output instead of kind of mm. checking in on them every day and seeing like what are you doing tell me what you're doing because 
you don't need to know that on a day-to-day basis, but maybe on a weekly basis, give some updates and show that what the output has been and, and the result of what you've been doing for the past week or the past two weeks. Yeah, that's another way to mm-hmm. to do that. But in the in the beginning, we had the kind of office space down in Cape Town and, and remote workers, and we felt more and more the the office came to not communicate in the same way that we did remotely mm-hmm. so i felt felt kind of isolated as a co-founder because the two co-founders down there were, were talking Sitting to each together. other mm-hmm. yeah and i was missing out on lot, lots of conversation so we we um we kind of came to the conclusion a few years later that the people working in the office down in cape town uh, probably 10 12 people by 2013 2014 we said look guys everybody now needs to think of the company as a remote company because we've got maybe yeah half uh, the staff yeah more than half the staff working remotely yeah so that means that nobody needs to come to the office every day hmm. we because we had those restrictions in the beginning he said come in at nine leave at five um so we said everybody can work from home if they want even though the office is at your disposal so it's a choice if you it's want a choice to come in and you can use it for meetings or you can come, come come in every day and work here if you want but you don't need to and and, and how was that transition for for the guys who was some there? some of the guys were kind of initially like i i don't understand why why like we, if we have the office why don't we use it yeah and it, it was more of a kind of a setting the mindset to think of how do we communicate across the company yeah to to say that look if we are to communicate as a remote company we need to have that first yeah and uh an office is great and, and co-working is great, but we need to uh, write down everything we do. Yeah. Everybody needs to be treated the same. So we're actually uh, making it more free for you guys down in the office because you don't need to come to the office every day. It's not, it's not, uh, it's not right if you have to go to an office and the rest of the, the workers don't have to go to an office. So that was kind of just setting the standard that the office is just a meeting place. You don't need to come. So what do you mean by, by writing down things you do? Why is that important? Well, uh, it's the kind of... In automatic, we say communication is oxygen. So it, it means uh, we should rather over-communicate something than to just assume everybody knows it. Mm-hmm. So uh, we, if you have a meeting with somebody, you write down notes, you publish it on a P2 post afterwards. A P2 is just an internal blog we use. So that everybody in the company can see what happened or was said sort in that like meeting. Sort of like an intranet, like a the, the, yeah, the, internet, the, the good the, old-fashioned internet, yeah. right? But mm. not with corporate news, but <laughs> no, no. with actual content from users. Yeah, it's mm. just a it's just a block website for for us uh, yeah. um, mm. employees. So and would I, that be like, hey, my day, this was my day, and this is what I've been doing? And well, we we have so in a remote company and most companies, there's teams, right? So, but we are kind of a flat. We've always been kind of flat. Um, culture in, in both Woo and Automatic and it kind of uh, it's at the stage where you, you, you have teams and the team size might be two people and might be up to ten people uh, or, or even bigger and in a team you have a team lead and for each team you have a P2 or an, or an internal blog uh, so yeah. on each P2 everybody s- on a weekly basis uh, says what they've been up to uh, and they also document everything they're working on, like projects. But a project P2 post might be something that isn't linked to one person and what they've done each week. Everybody's got their weekly updates posts, which happens once a week for each team. Yeah. And then we have weekly updates for each team as well, which goes on a kind of an automatic, we call the Thursday update. But it doesn't happen on Thursdays. It's just <laughs> like the orig- original name came from Thursdays. That's when everybody posted the updates. So yeah. um, it's uh, if you have a video call, call uh, we record it so everybody can go back and check it. But we'll also have yeah. notes for it. So it's all about uh, the kind of uh, we usually forget what happened last Wednesday at office. Yeah. Uh, what did we actually discuss? We can quickly check it in notes. And that's... Mm. That's uh, not usual in, in a, a normal office environment yeah. because you can just go in and check with the other guy. And But yeah. when you're working remotely and, and in different time zones, you can't just check what the guy in Australia said last week yeah. because he's sleeping. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So you need to go back and check the notes instead. And, and then that can speed up work for you because mm. there's, off, there's off obviously downsides to remote work like yeah. time zones. Yeah. Yeah. But, yeah. Uh, 
So lots of a asynchronous work. Yeah. But I see that um, in iSettle too, like most of the employees obviously work in Stockholm. Uh, but for us that are remote in different countries, it's so nice to have the different Slack channels. Mm. Uh, so we can keep up to date with uh, projects and stuff like that. And also I think it's important um, we feel very included because they invite us to the Christmas party, the summer party. They will fly us over for kickoffs. So they, we feel uh, like we're part of the team. But I think the day-to-day -day communication on, on Slack is definitely a huge factor for us feeling like we're part of uh, what's going on at the, mm. the main office. Did you use Slack at, uh, at Automatic or yeah, we use Slack at all, Yeah, we use Slack at Automatic and, and before that we used IRC, we used just <laughs> Skype to have lots of different groups in Skype, which was terrible. Yeah. But uh, then we found uh, uh, an app called HipChat, which is uh, a competitor to Slack, which is really good as well. Yeah. But we moved to Slack just before we were acquired uh, and Slack is kind of we have a saying also in P in, in automatic. Yes. We, say, we say P two or it didn't happen. <laughs> okay. So that basically means if you said something on Slack, you need to document it on on the internal blog. Yeah. Like if, if you had a discussion, because yeah, you know it gets lost in yeah, Slack. Yeah, of course. Slack of course. is uh, Slack. Right. And and that's a good point actually, because I think there's a lot of misunderstanding uh, about Slack as. Uh, Many people see it as a replacement for mail or a documentation system, but mm. it's more of a chat, right? So, yeah. mm. uh, it's, it's you. You have the kind of three layers. I would say you have the the written down documentation. It might be on an internal P two uh, internal blog post. It might be on a, in a Google Doc or something like that. Or it might and, and the next layer up is kind of uh, the the text chat, for example, Slack. Mm -hmm. And then the next layer up there is. Uh, having a video chat or an audio call or something. So if you need to hash something out, yeah, you've got the documentation in the in the bottom, and then you've got the you can hash it out over Slack. Yeah. You can you can try and find it, but often like having a discussion with ten people on Slack, it, it can take hours. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So why not just jump on a video call for ten minutes yeah. and then just sort it out, and then you can document it back to Slack or say we reached this decision about this. And and and, and what was the practices you had around? Um, uh, remote telepresence or uh, co video conferencing. So, when did you go on a call, and what was the rules around? Because I know you guys have a rule that even if you have more than one mm. person in the room, <clears throat> you have to have a separate screen. It's it, we have that internally, and it's often hard when you're talking with somebody externally because you, you're talking with another company maybe, and and they don't abide by your rules but yeah. we say that it's best if everybody has a headset first and foremost yeah and a good headset don't use your kind of audio on your mac yeah uh, your microphone there isn't as good as a as a headset mm -hmm. and then if you're on a video call with 10 people don't have five of them being in one room on on one screen you need to have everybody on their own laptop with their own headset in separate rooms mm. because it, it the quality of of dialogue and sound is so much worse for the people sitting remotely. Mm. If you're in an office space and you've got a, a conference room, you're having a great dialogue over the table, but the people sitting remotely aren't at the same level. They can't yeah. interact yeah. that quickly. They can't see facial expressions and so forth. Yeah. So we, we kind of set, say that everybody needs to have their own computer screen and, and video camera. Yeah, I think that's very interesting. I think it also says something about the culture. So. So there's a, uh, you have respect for the users yeah. and, and you have to treat each other like Yeah, the employees equals. are equal. So there's nobody, I'm not saying that you're less equal because you work <laughs> remotely from iSettle, but I noticed I was working remotely in Norway and I we had the, the office down in Cape Town where they were doing a, a conference call with me. Yeah. And I said, well, this isn't working out, guys. Yeah, I, I, yeah. I can't communicate at the same yeah. level as you yeah. guys. So yeah. Yeah. please go to different yeah. offices and just yeah. or sit at home and do the meeting. And yeah. so often what would happen is uh, my co-founders would go to work. And then when we were having our meeting, uh, we usually have a video call once a week or so when they they actually go home to, to do that because yeah. then they were quite it was quiet and they were by themselves I have one specific question so when it comes to like management and leadership I know that a lot of uh, people you know have questions when it comes to like how effectively can you run a company when it's fully remote uh, so how did you guys 
drive like a, a strategy as a team and how do you make sure and uh, distribute uh, the responsibility of actually executing on that strategy to, to the team when when everybody's sitting you know yeah in, in different time zones in different places um, probably a we, I think we learned as we go it wasn't we didn't have any manual for this we yeah. just kind of like what works here what what and and often when you're working remotely uh, and you've got teams you, you we don't say like the team lead uh, isn't like a higher person compared to the rest of the people on the team yeah he's just an equal so in automatic a team lead might change over time and it's not a demotion or anything it's just like i'm i don't want to be team lead anymore somebody else wants to do that role so you don't you don't get more salary or anything like that it's just a um a change of role if you want a mix-up of, of stuff okay uh, so and was it the the team uh lead role that had the so say that you founders you know cooked up a new strategy oh we're going to be we have to launch a new product and it's going to target this uh, mm. audience and and we're going to make this much mm. in 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 the next six months uh how would you sort of filter that down to the team leads and how would they sort of you know make sure in, in the start we were kind of the, like the the co-founders were, were thinking of strategy and what products we wanted to launch and we uh, employed a leadership team under us I say under us that they were kind of yeah like on the org chart they would be under us but yeah. they weren't treated as that they were kind of like our, our, our co-founders in a way they and were captains they were captains of, <laughs> of each department yeah so so they were uh, better at doing that job than we were and and so we had one for support we had one for uh, biz dev we had one for product and we had one for marketing uh, and they all had their own teams and kind of they had way more responsibility than we did even yeah uh, but and was that was that compensated or was that something also that that changed or uh, over time obviously it was sen uh, seniority and and kind of they they grew into those roles like yeah. like mikey he was hired as a normal support guy but he was one of the first ones and he just we saw that he kind of liked being that lead yeah and he kind of grew into the support lead the fireman yeah the fireman yeah. he so he is the support lead uh, f for our support team okay um, and and that that's you you kind of over time you see people what they prefer and if they prefer to be led or uh, be the leader okay and so you actually just observe and, and pick out who, yeah. who would fit the yeah and, and we try and, and and remain kind of a flat so uh, it's not like one team lead makes more money than the other guy yeah uh we we try and and pay everybody a, a competitive salary mm -hmm. in in their market and in their city in their country yeah um and yeah it, it that that i mean that's yeah. a, a, whole, a whole different topic yeah, but it that, it's it different it's we difficult. can come back to that yeah. i have a short uh, question so mm. Uh, in iSettle, my manager, which is the localization manager, um, she is the only one probably at the office that has a team that is like all of the uh, people at the team is working remote. Mm. Um, do you think like do you have any any advice for me uh, how to make like her job easier? What can I do as an employee to make sure her job as a manager is easier why do you want to make her job easier <laughs> no it's just like um she's very good at uh, always including us and like um she's very good at making sure we feel like we're part of the organization uh but is there something we can do as her employees to mm. or even like um Among across yourselves. the team yeah. like across the team yeah i would to, say uh, like the same goes uh over communicate everything mm. so so expect like she is good at communicating to you guys and yeah. and trying to include you as much as possible because it, you have a, a a remote second company right yeah. you have an office location and you are a remote team mm. so so the best you can do is be as open and over communicate back to your leader uh, that will help her massively in and kind of mm. managing that team because it's we see that the people who are silent in our company are often like we have to check in more often we like it's everything okay yeah. it's like something trouble at home yeah. or are yeah, you, you, are you struggling at work yeah, so. you told me once that uh, these guys who are m the most silent are the ones who's who are working too much <laughs> oh, oh. <laughs> it, it, it's it might be so like, it's not a good sign that you hear, don't hear from them 
because they, they might be overworked, right? If or? they're outputting, uh, if their output is good and they say they're happy all the time, mm. we have to respect that. Yeah. Mm. But if their output is poor yeah. uh, and they don't kind of show up to meetings or they don't communicate well, then we need to investigate more. Like yeah. the, some people are very self-driven. Mm. Some people are introverts. Some people are extroverts. Yeah. Some people need or have the kind of need to be in an office environment so to speak in, in, in a remote setting so they need to kind of be on all the video calls they yeah. need to chat all the time yeah. and uh, they might be lacking in other departments like getting this down on paper documenting yeah. what was said yeah. Uh, yeah. but some people like the introverts uh, I, I would say I'm an introvert myself I enjoy kind of being sitting at home working uh, I don't need to have that social interaction every day uh, I feel I get that by being on a video call but some people don't feel that they feel like they need to have that physical connection as well and I like to just be given a, given a task and, and, and sit there and work on it and, and deep dive into it yeah uh, and then come up for air when I'm ready like uh, and and but some people are like they need to be yeah. kind of yeah. have, have a chat every day to yeah. say like keep me on track here i need mm. i need this motivation and, and i need somebody to kind of be the whip so to speak <laughs> yeah did you ever fly everyone down to south africa to to never gather the ne team? never no, no. <laughs> of yeah of, of course that was yeah. like the, the the that was one of the amazing kind of uh, experiences for me uh, coming from norway going all the way down to south africa which is the other side of the world and just discovering that whole culture and how beautiful that country is because mm. we we saw that uh we our first meetup was in, in, in London, the three co-founders. Yep. Uh, we went to Future Web Design Conference. And and that was like, we instantly knew each other. Like we hadn't met physically before, but we knew each other just because we'd been talking remotely every day. And we saw that it's so valuable to have that yeah. physical time together so yeah. we we coined the, the phrase woo trip which is basically <laughs> we get everybody who's working to to join in together so the first woo trip we had was in Saalbach in in austria in 2010 where you take all your employees nice. yeah but that we maybe did a mistake that time we only took the employees that were uh, uh, not working as a consultant okay so those were the south africans and me yeah uh but all the other wood trips after that, 2011 till 2016. You brought everybody. 16, yeah, we brought everybody. Uh, so we had, we've been to Cape Town, we've been to the US, we've been to uh, Netherlands, um, and and just we have a week together and we just mainly do a lot of fun stuff, but also kind of try and hash out some workshops and do something that we can't do as well online. And how many times a year did you do a trip like that? Uh, 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 um, <coughs> A trip where everybody went, we did once a year. But okay. like the policy in automatic is, if you're a automatic employee, you should expect about four weeks of travel each year, and that means that you maybe meet your team uh, once or twice, mm -hmm. uh, which is a smaller trip. Uh, and you find we have this tool uh, as well to find like what's the best location because one might be from the US, one from India, and one from Europe, and like what's the best location to meet. And we put in like all the employees and they say, oh, oh, Amsterdam, that's the best place to meet. That has lowest cost and, and uh, less uh, least travel for each employee. So uh, we, we have those kind of uh, team meetups and then we have the the, the, the once a year uh, grand meetup, which we call it. Would, would you say that these teams are more or less working autonomous or... or uh... Uh, do you, you give these guys the responsibility and they execute and then they will they so, will sort of report back when whenever they, yeah, they feel so that they on, need to on our, our team lead now for Wu uh, a guy called Todd he we hired him about a year ago I think and he came from a, a company called Atlassian so he had like 15 years experience with leading teams uh, and he was also working remotely because Atlassian is an Australian company and mm -hmm. he was in Austin uh, so he joined our, our team and he kind of basically took over our jobs. So he he's kind of sets the vision and the strategy together with the leadership team and the kind of the, the rest of the uh, the CEO and, and the other leads in the company. And that kind of trickles down to, to everybody else. So, But they get to be quite autonomous when we set the kind of quarterly goals. So we say, oh, this quarter we want to work towards these main goals. And then it's up to the team themselves to come up with 
how they want to contribute to to working to, towards those goals and kind of putting that into uh, execution. And so that happens by just you know uh, having a, a town hall yeah. meeting and then everybody gets to say and then yeah we we basically well Todd basically has a meeting with each team lead and says this is what we want to do and mm. then we have a town hall and then communicate to that, that to the whole team and uh, figure out then the team leads figure out how to kind of execute on that what what are the most important points that we can contribute back to that goal that we're set for this quarter and also we kind of dabble with a three-year plan just to have that long-term vision uh, so we kind of know where we want to be in three years but obviously that's way too much to, to work on each quarter <laughs> that's that's super interesting so a couple of more questions so there, what would you say is the most essential thing with the culture of automatic that allows it to operate remotely other than the things we've we've already discussed Hmm. or culture or sort of you know uh, practices that that everybody knows is a practice and well basically being a remote first company you say that you are a remote first company and and we like automatic had this great office in 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 san francisco but it's actually shutting it down now and it kind of it's been on the big tech <laughs> blogs and like uh Automatic employs 600 people, but is shutting down its main office because everybody's working remotely. And it's just like, I think uh, having that kind of vision for the future that we are a new breed of uh, employees and, and a, a knowledge new breed workers, of, yeah, and a new breed of company mm. where it allows you to work anywhere. We have we have digital nomads working in our company. They they travel all over the world and like relocate where they kind of see yeah. best fit. But what I think is really interesting here is yes, digital nomad, but that's that could be limited to like a you know the twenty twenty five thirty year old who doesn't really have too much obligations. But here we're talking about a company the size of six hundred people. These guys mm. have like you know they're settled. Some of these are really settled, yep. right? Uh, so they have houses and mortgages and uh, you know. Yeah, obviously you can't be just a remote company with digital nomads. You. you <laughs> Our main employee is somebody who works and has a family and has a house and a mortgage and, and stuff yeah. like that. So we we treat everybody as as well as a normal company. There's no kind of underpaying people here. Like is mm. we we haven't got a, a, a staff of uh, people in India that are earning two dollars an hour. Right? So <laughs> of, often people think that okay, you are a remote company, so you have a leadership team here, and then you've got these. A bunch of cheap workers, cheap yeah. workers somewhere in in in, yeah. in in eastern countries that often work for a cheaper rate. But uh, we have lots of uh, employees in Asia and and in in Africa and in, in South America and in and in the US. And and so we and you and you have more applications to jobs than you could ever want, right? So there's so much. I've heard this somewhere that there's there's actually we, quite a few. We're hiring a lot. I mean, you can just go on on automatic.com slash jobs and see how many jobs. But we're you're hiring getting for. thousands of people. Yeah, we, we're, uh, who's, who's applying. There, there's a lot of people obviously wanting to to work remotely, and and maybe some people don't understand what it uh, implies to work remotely. But uh, you go through the the process of of, of hiring, and then you yeah. understand what it's all about. And yeah. and but yeah, it, there's a. Automatic is a company that is scaling quickly, and and we're ha probably hiring a bit too slow, I would say. But uh, since but we joined in two thousand fifteen with three hundred twenty, then obviously the acquisition added another fifty people, and then but now we're six hundred people, just two or two years later. Mm. So we're trying to hire like hundred people a year, and it's quite. I mean, it's not Silicon Valley at two thousand people a year, but it's scaling quite quickly for yeah. a remote company. And yeah. And it's one of the challenges uh, of, of being remote is that we don't know how it's not as easy to scale quickly as it is with a Silicon Valley company where you yeah. just say, we're going to hire a thousand people this year. Yeah. Just get some people to do that for us. Yeah. Uh, because our, our uh, CEO, he does all of the final interviews with each person. So I would say probably 30% of his time goes into interviewing, just hiring people. Yeah, interviewing people all the time. So there's obviously a bottleneck there. Yeah. So lots of that has been sorted out now like for support uh, uh, he doesn't go through all the final checks or not checks but he doesn't do the final yeah. interviews and stuff like that uh, 
but anybody who wants to do that final interview can if they want so yeah. it's it's kind of a he is very invested in, in the people that work for his company yeah. uh, because he wants the best people in the world in each kind of category yeah. to 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 work for us so but but hiring is a good segue into the next uh, questions i have and that this is coming from um, a woman named elena from brussels mm -hmm. Because uh, she was really curious about this episode and asks uh, if how do you work around the legal frameworks? So how do you actually hire people? Because you know people are sitting in different countries on different tax policies, and uh, you know there's we might be breaking lots of international laws. <laughs> <laughs> okay, no, it's, good it's, to know. <laughs> it, it is uh, as you most know very complicated. Yeah, there's. Uh, you have to employ maybe one of the big four uh, companies to, to do all of that research for you to figure out what are the correct ways of paying an employee in X country. You should just become a country. <laughs> we should become just buy an island. Well, it's like Estonia having a, a digital uh, uh, passport now, so you can actually become a di digital resident of Estonia, which is pretty cool, and maybe that's something for the future mm. uh, for remote workers where they don't actually kind of you, we it's lot, uh, a lot easier to you can just make a company in Estonia and then everything yeah. would be solved yeah. but um, I think so what was the, the, the way we, the way we did it in, in, in Wu was we for example me in Norway I was the only employee in Norway but I understood the Norwegian rule so I put up a, a, a company in Norway and paid my taxes and, and then invoiced the company down in South Africa yeah mm -hmm. and that was basically the way that most people were treated that weren't from South Africa because Wu was a South African company. Uh, so everybody abroad was basically a consultant and they would invoice the company uh, and be paid that way. Mm -hmm. So they would then again be uh, have to do their own taxes and everything. The way we do it in automatic, since it's a bit larger scale, we have more employees in the same country, is that if there's more than five people in the country we usually put up a subsidiary of automatic uh, so uh, we have one in the a uk limited, a limited company yeah something a company that will handle payroll and taxes yeah. for for each employee there but if it's le less than uh, five employees like norway for example we don't have a company in norway anymore so i when i worked as a full-time employee i would invoice automatic each month but okay. I, at the same time I was treated as a normal employee it's just a kind of the legal side of it I w wasn't maybe okay the same as everybody else right but that's it's tricky I mean when you have, automatic has 600 employees from over 40 countries yeah so just trying to fit and we have one or two people working on the legal inside automatic so yeah. just trying to understand that whole system is uh, very daunting so yeah. Uh, it's a struggle and we kind of like I struggled and for a long time with kind of uh, did I was I paying the right taxes in Norway mm. I was paying like taxes uh, on my salary here but mm. they also said I need to pay taxes down in South Africa mm. uh, so mm. I would, do I pay double taxes is yeah, this yeah, right yeah. Yeah. Uh, so yeah. but in the end yeah. I figured out and how I guess tax treaties work and stuff like that okay and I guess there was like uh, um, you know, when when you work for a company in Norway, you have the uh, added things with, uh, you know, pension mm. and, and health uh, insurance, yeah. and uh, there's different things to consider there. But mm. you took care of your own sort of. Yeah, I put up what is called a NIF in Norway, uh, mm. which is basically an RS uh, yeah. without putting into in, in the capital to, to start. You just start off with no capital, and it's basically a, a, a foreign subsidiary of a. Uh, a, a Norwegian subsidiary of a foreign company. Yeah. So uh, that w allowed me to to pay my um, my tax and and also get my pension without having to inject any capital into the company. Yeah. Uh, and and then the company the the NIF would just invoice the South African company. So it, it's that also took me quite a while to figure out because yeah. like, nobody really knows. Nobody works <laughs> in this way. So like, what is the rule here? Yeah. Um, so it's just learning by doing basically and hoping that you don't get a big tax bill at the end of the year I, I felt as long as I was paying uh, the same taxes before uh, I was doing what I could yeah. uh, I wasn't trying to evade taxes and, and uh, hmm. I think that's if you are a remote company that should be your first priority to, to settle every tax bill you have with 
with your company and both personally with the employees you have. Uh, yeah. Try and figure out, like get some advice, get a lawyer in that country to just give you some advice. What is the right way to do it? Because some countries might not operate as Norway does or like the US does. And and you, uh, Susanna, you've, uh, you're fifty percent employed, but then you have your own companies. So, yeah. and you have a do you have a limited company or a sole proprietary? Uh, also, Enkelmans Fortag. Enkelmans Fortag. Yeah. Yes. So it's just me, yeah. myself, and I. Yeah. yeah. And and you and it's you. It's just take... a lot easier, I think, uh, to be operating on your own. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And do you have have you ever considered uh, sort of? I know that there's there's different companies that hire, so you could sort of be, be employed by a freelance company and then the, and oh you they can, pay you salary yeah, yeah, that yeah, is yeah. already contracts yeah. up and stuff. Have yeah. you have you have you ever tried that? Um, no, just because for me it's easy. I do my own uh, accounting and it's it's not a big deal. But I for someone that is not uh, experienced in yeah. account in accounting and stuff, they yeah. it, it's probably a good idea. And if you do something. Like completely different when it's when you're not sitting in an office, for example. And and did you guys hire freelancers or or was it pure? You hired everybody you needed for the company. We well, yeah, well we hired everybody, but foreign people were uh, consultants in the in the start at least. Yeah. Um, and the same, what like with accounting, it was for me it was daunting. I, I was <laughs> yeah. scared of doing something wrong. I, I uh, yeah. I. I and I feel like I don't want to, it's an expense, but I don't want it to be over expensive. I, I once paid a bill to uh, a PwC for uh, like, you could buy almost a car for that <laughs> just to get some legal advice. And uh, Really? <coughs> yeah, yeah. So, uh, okay. so it's, um, once you go down that road, you better know what you're paying for and know how much you're paying before you actually you, you can start charging for that now because you've done this. <laughs> Maybe that's your next company. Yeah. <laughs> I'll give the advice out for free rather. <laughs> Okay, guys. I think uh, we're uh, we're going uh, close to the end. Thank you so much for coming. Uh, it's super fascinating to hear the stories from people who's done this journey before, uh, who's doing it now, and sort of uh, learning from from uh, your mistakes and your <coughs> success. <laughs> yeah. Thank you. So, so uh, any any suggestions for who do we who do we should we talk to in automatic? Uh, um, other people in uh, in the company. I'm the best guy in all. <laughs> <laughs> I'd love to talk to Matt actually. The, oh yeah, yeah. If the, he has the time, he's he's uh, he's a busy man. It's uh, not often we get to talk to him. And, and hopefully, we'll get a chance to talk to your co-founders and people in South Africa. Yeah, you're gonna spend some time in the office down there, so that's the perfect time to yeah. do some uh, do some podcast down there. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds good. Okay, Seems guys. like there's a lot of cool uh, co-working spaces in South Africa. It's a booming place. It's yeah. uh, it's amazing. Uh, it, it's lots of entrepreneurial spirit down there, and and lots of cool people, and just everybody's got a, <laughs> a, a high output, and and a, there's a lot of buzz down there. So, you'll, per- I think you'll you'll enjoy the place and, and see a lot of different stuff, mm. uh, but uh, very cool stuff. Great. Sounds like the perfect place for a workation. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> okay, guys, thank you so much for coming. Thank you. Thank you. Bye. Yes.